Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It's 308 on this Monday, July 10th, 2023. Um, sun's out. Weather seems to be stabilizing a bit today. 80 degrees here in the station in Pittston. Hopefully, it's the same by you. How was your weekend? What'd you do this weekend? You know, it was a little rained out, but I mean, with all the rain and everything we had, we definitely lucked out uh, compared to our neighbors. And we're going to get into that in a little later in the show. But, uh, you know, some areas just, just, uh, East of us, you know, really got devastated. I mean, devastated is probably an understatement to uh, to what's gone on uh, over there. But we're going to talk about that in our, our 4 o'clock hour. Also at the 4 o'clock hour, I'm going to have Mayor John David Longo of Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Uh, you might remember him from the show. He was one of the, the towns just east of that train derailment that was out there on the Ohio border. That affected his township. Uh, you know, we had him on the show to tell us what was going on out there. But uh, as a former Marine, I shouldn't say former Marine, there's never a former Marine. As a Marine, the mayor out there uh, had some big plans for the 4th of July weekend that, that really um, was enlightening. Really showed that uh, the spirit of America, the patriotism is alive and well in our rural America areas, our small towns, our cities all across America. And uh, if you follow me on social media, I posted a little, um, actually I reposted what, what, what he posted out there, what they did to recognize our Independence Day and our, our nation's 247th birthday. And it, it, was, it was truly outstanding. So we're going to have him on at the 4 o'clock hour to discuss that. And again, if you're not following me on social media, you're missing out a bit. It's Rob O'Donnell on Facebook and at O'Donnell underscore on Twitter. Uh, you'll see a video of what we're going to talk about later so you have a better idea of, of what's going on around our, our Commonwealth here in Pennsylvania and our nation in these rural towns. One of the things I love about traveling when I travel America is is the small towns, is, is the mom-and-pop sh- stores, is the gas station barbecue places that, that you never pass up. If you're, if you're south of Virginia and you see a uh, a, a barbecue joint connected to a gas station, you stop and check it out because it'll most likely be worth your while. I don't know why that is, but I figure if the locals there are willing to go to a gas station for some barbecue, it's probably some good barbecue for that area, which means it's outstanding barbecue for us. And I, I've had a couple of, of doozies that have been just outstanding, so probably, probably some of the best food I've ever had. I had uh, one specifically just coming out of the Outer Banks um, when I was down there on vacation once, saw it, pulled in, and it was definitely worth the trip. And we just left our vacation home, probably not even a half an hour on the road. And I saw it, and it looked good. There was a line out the door. I said, this is where we want to get lunch. I know we're just starting, but this is where we want to get lunch before we get going. No sense in getting uh, you know, on the highway and getting some normal fast food or whatever you're going to get. Or a sit-down chain restaurant. You know, Make sure you stop in and get your barbecue there. But we're, we're going to be focusing on that as well. You know, if you were listening to the show on Friday, you sure my wife Lisa was in the studio. You really uh, soft spoken. She, I think we got her to say hi and a few little things in the background. But we went to the Mohegan Sun Arena Friday night for the Nate Smith, Cold Swindell, and Thomas Rhett concert. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. It was an outstanding concert. It was a great night. Uh, the rain ended by the time uh, you know we got there. Anyway, I left the studio here, so we got there. Probably about six forty-five, seven o'clock. The concert started at seven thirty-ish. 
and uh, there was no issues walking uh, to to uh, the arena. The the one pet peeve I do have, and I saw it firsthand, and it's it's never been an issue before. If you if you've ever been to the Mohegan Sun Arena, they have their handicap parking. They have a bunch of it in the VIP parking lot where you need to have VIP access to get into. But they normally filter handicap in there as well because it's right next to the east entrance. And then there's handicap spots by the the main parking lot by the west entrance. Well, they weren't letting any handicap placards or designated vehicles go. And when you go to these concerts, they normally double check you because people have been known in the past to get handicap. Uh, hang tags or, or credentials from their grandparents or their parents or such like that and use them to get better parking in areas. So they do check your ID card as well when you go into these areas. But they were filtering people into the back of the parking lot for the handicapped parking, and it was separate from where they were putting everybody else. You know, I, I was sitting there, watch this, and they, they put them in, and it was all the way towards the back of the parking lot. And I, I saw a, an amputee with one, one leg missing, be directed to this area and get out of his car and have to walk all the way to the west entrance of the Mohegan Sun Arena. And it was just, I found it, I found it deplorable, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he had his hang tag. You could see it. I was parked in regular parking, you know, not far from there, and, and watched the whole thing happen. And uh, I had some friends that were there that also have handicapped credentials, and they complained that they were being directed all the way back here, and then I guess all the handicapped parking near the West Gate was full, so they were just putting people wherever. It was a little closer than they were directing general people, but it wasn't much closer. It was still the back of the parking lot, almost all the way back to the booths where you pay to get into the main parking lot. And when I walked to the arena to enter the arena with my wife, I saw that almost, I shouldn't say almost all, but a good portion of the handicapped spots in the VIP parking were all vacant. And I just found that that was a, that was very, uh, not a good move on the, uh, the arena over there in their parking. And I know the parking's run by, you know, it's ma- the arena's managed by someone else. The, the county runs it by a county board and whatever the situation is there, they, they really need to do better with their, with their ADA parking designations. And, and I know people do take advantage of it. And like I said, all they have to do is check your ID card that you get that has a proves that that handicap hang tag is yours or the license plate on the car is yours in case you're borrowing somebody else's car that happens to have it. But, I mean, here's someone, obviously a handicap, was missing a leg and had to walk all that way both to the, the concert and after the concert. And after the concert, you're dealing with a lot of crowds at least coming in. People are trickling in all the way from when the gates open until the time the concert starts. But uh, yeah, I just saw that and it just... And and I don't know the circumstance of this individual. I don't know if he was a veteran. I don't know. I mean, he had some uh, some veteran tattoos and such. I I don't know the circumstances behind it, but I just found it very distasteful that they they were doing that as far as their parking, and just feel that they really need to make that a priority, especially with people who have an obvious disability, like like missing a limb. And uh, I just saw. Looking at the, looking at some text messages now. Good afternoon, Rob. You truly hit one of my pet peeves. As a disabled veteran who can't walk that far and has an electric-powered chair and a wheelchair air van, truly infuriates me when people take the handicapped parking because they're just too lazy to walk. The same as the grocery store at Sam's Club when people parking in the lines for the handicapped van. Derek. Yeah, I mean, this just wasn't that. This was... 
I'm assuming that the handicap parking in the normal parking lot was taken, but I've seen them filter anyone with a handicap. When that's the case, I've seen them in time past them filter everybody into the VIP lot where there is handicap parking right alongside the arena. And I don't care if you're a VIP or not, if you have that handicap parking sticker, if you have the hang tag, they should be making the accommodations to get you where you need to be, which is closer to the arena. Um, and again, especially people who have visible, obvious disabilities. But, you know, that's that's just my pet peeve for the concert. Other than that, the concert was outstanding. It was a little hot in the arena. Even Thomas Rhett uh, mentioned more on more than one occasion that it was uh, extremely hot in there. But it was a good time. Great concert. Uh, Nate Smith, Cole Swindell, and Thomas Rhett, you really put on a great... Uh, Show for this area, and it's one of the things that I, I really uh, I really enjoy about this area. I really enjoy our venues here, be it our AAA affiliate rail riders, be it Montage Mountain at the pavilion up there, be it the Mohegan Sun Arena, and, and all the other places around here, the, even the small places, uh, businesses, wineries, breweries that have live local acoustic music or live lo- local bands. I, I love it. I love everything about it. Saturday uh, afternoon, actually, my wife and I went to, uh, we were over by Lake Ariel. We went to Ritter's Winery, and they had some acoustic live music playing. It was a great time. I think my uh, wife had some of their mango cider, which she liked uh, liked a lot. You know, we had a, a fruit plate and uh, just hung around listening to the music. It was a great day. The sun was out. It was hot. And we spent about two, two and a half hours there and had a great time there. And again, it's just some of the things that uh, some of the things I uh, love about this area. That's that's why I call this home. That's why I decided to make it home twenty years ago. It's where I decided to live the rest of my life and raise my kids. And and I now that they're raised and out of the house, it's where I decide to live the rest of my life. I just love our area. I love everything about it. You need to take advantage of it and go out to these things. You know, in our area as much as you can. I saw this story, and it, it really bothers me. The, this, these individuals, I shouldn't say these individuals, this individual, and they know who it is. He's turned himself into the game commission. I shouldn't say he. Whoever it is turned themselves into the game commission. They haven't identified the person yet. At the Cherry Valley Lakeview Estates outside of Pittsburgh, shot one of two bald eagles that have been residents there for decades. They just had two eaglets this past year. They've been nesting there, and it says for decades, so I would say over 10 years. And somebody shot it, and it was found in a field dead. And the police, the local police chief is involved. The game commission is involved. And uh, supposedly the game commission is stating they, the person has turned themselves in. They will release the information on it later. It's unknown the age or who the person is, the sex of the person. It's unknown. But it's just a tragic uh, Tragic occurrence for you know one of our national icons, our bald eagles. I uh, we have one or two that hangs out in Heart Lake, up by me all the time. I love seeing it. Uh, we've had a couple you know around my house that I've seen in the fields. They were picking off the neighbors' ducks at a, at one point. Yeah, but they're just beautiful to see in the wild. They're just beautiful to see you know when they're in your area and you see them every day, every other day. And for someone to uh, kill this one. Unfortunately, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania downgraded 
the killing of a bald eagle to a summary offense. And it's a summary offense, and it's only a $200 fine now. But there are federal offenses that are extremely hefty uh, with fines in the thousands and uh, jail time. So uh, hopefully, depending on the situation of the person, I, I don't know if it's a kid, I don't know if it's a young teen or, or whatever. The fact that the game commission is not naming the person at this time leads me to believe it might be a juvenile. Again, that's just my speculation. But it's just sad out there in this uh, Cherry Valley Lakeview Estates outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that this, uh, that this happened, that someone would look to injure one of our bald eagles. It's uh, 321 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Monday, July 10th, 2023. These are headlines that are out there, things that are happening around us. Uh, we're probably not going to get into them in depth during the show today, but uh, they're happening in our atmosphere. We should be aware of them. So here we go on this Monday, July 10th. Uh, sexual assault lawsuits settled against a Scranton police officer. Uh, Dunmore, the last to vote on joining the Scranton-Abington Planning Association, could take months. Biden's envoy to Iran are under FBI investigation as a key figure placed on leave. What's going on with that? Supposedly a security clearance was uh, suspended as well. More than 20 states blast Biden's electric vehicle plans. Regulations, planned regulations. Did you see this in the news? The Scott Township man builds a Knobles-inspired bumper car. You see it driving around. Don't bump into it. It's just uh, for show. A mountaintop man crashes into two police cruisers during a pursuit. A suit alleges improper training and procedures led to inmate suicides at the Luzerne County Correctional Facility. And the Nicholson Visitors Center opens a repurposed train station as their uh, visitor center. Remember the imprisoned Team USA gymnastics doctor who was abusing the girls? Well, he has been stabbed multiple times in prison. And the city of Wilkes-Barre spent close to 58% of its $37.1 million American Rescue Plan federal allocation as of March 31st. So they have about uh, 62% more. They probably spent some more of that between March 31st and now. But those are our headlines that are in our area for this Rob's Rundown on this Monday, July 10th, 2023. Um, I actually heard the tones for this go off because it was it, we had some pretty bad lightning storms come through. And like I said, we're going to talk about our, our neighbors to the east in upstate New York that really, really got devastated by the storms that came through, but there was a lot of a lot of lightning, a lot of um, cloud to ground and cloud to cloud lightning come across, um, some heavy thunder. But the lightning really, uh, I know, so it knocked my internet and cable out for a little bit, and I heard the tones go off for the for the fire companies, and there was this fire that destroyed a barn in Susquehanna County. Uh, it was filled with equipment and, and hay bales and such. It was right uh, on 247 in Clifford Township, just before one o'clock. And uh, like I said, I heard the tones go off, um, because, and, you know, the storms were over my house well at the same time. And like I said, there was a lot of lightning. The state police fire marshal will be investigating this, as they do most fires. Uh, so it, it will be under investigation. 
But it was a total loss for the barn and everything in it. Thankfully, no livestock or uh, or anything like that was uh, was injured. Um, but like I said, the the state police uh, will be investigating that. But it, it was truly just two miles, two and a half miles from my house where this barn is. I pass it a lot. Uh, hopefully, you know, it was insured and they get everything that they should get out of it and get fully recovered on it. But it just goes to show the danger when these storms come through uh, of this uh, lightning. It appears that they believe the the barn was struck by the lightning, and that's what started the fire. And be it, you know, who knows how old the hay was in it. We know how hay uh, burns up if it's dry enough. And, uh, you know, the barns itself. It appears through the picture it looks like a, a metal metal roof barn. But um, like I said, it just goes to show what happens when, when these things come through our area. This uh, looks like Hazleton City is going to uh, be using more big city technology for uh, to combat their crime. They're, they're going to put what's called a flock safety technology, which are to help gun, detect gunshots. Now, it's basically... Uh, You've probably heard it in New York City. You've heard it in Philadelphia. You've heard it in Baltimore and areas like that. It's called Shot Spotter. That that's one of the nicknames for it. I believe that's another proprietary system that that's similar to this. But it's through technology, through sound and microphones and such, they're programmed to detect gunshots, and they can detect pretty much accurately the location of exactly where that gunshot came from. We all know that uh you know law enforcement can't be everywhere, but it's it's a good proactive measure for the city of Hazleton to put in there to detect and help response because, uh, you know, those notifications go out immediately. And it looks like they're installing 164 what they call Ravens. Now, because the systems, the flock system, the Ravens are just, uh, you know, the nicknames for the, the technology, the little the equipment that's there. Now, some of these equipments in other cities, and I don't know the technical specifications of what's here in Hazleton. I have worked with ShotSpotter a lot. Some of them have cameras where they'll pinpoint exactly where the gunshots are coming from, and they'll start video where they'll take pictures of that area. So, you know, if someone's fleeing the location, if a car's coming da- coming or going, it'll get video of that car, and usually it's very high-quality video. It also will direct law enforcement specifically to that location um, where normally, you know, someone would have to call near 911 comm center. The comm center would then call the local police department, dispatch them and get there. That takes time. This is more immediate depending on how they set it up. Um, a lot of alerts on our computers or on our handheld cell phones. A lot of times the police, especially in New York, get criticized for looking at their phones. These are alerts that come over to them immediately it's not put through a, a 911 system where it'll go directly from that shot spotter system on that corner that detected a shot right to area police officers in that zone to say, hey, we just detected a probable gunshot at this location exactly here, the northwest corner. And you get there, you do a search, you know, for ballistics, for, you know, witnesses, for anyone who, uh, who may be injured, victims. And then you work back from there and you, you the, Headquarters can immediately download whatever video was taken from those areas if it's, equi- if it's equipped with that. 
But it looks like they're combining these with uh, they're combining them with existing license plate reading cameras, which are called Falcons. So it, it's a real plus as far as public safety because, like you said, unless someone's calling 911 to let them know they heard gunshots or there's a police officer that happens to be in that vicinity that heard them themselves, and again, just by hearing them, if you're a few blocks away, you can't pinpoint exactly where it was. Now you're wandering around a larger block areas area. Um, it pinpoints exactly where it is the northwest corner, the southeast corner of this intersection, uh, the right side of this block. It, it, they get very specific. They're able to tell in true detail where exactly that shot's coming from, and it could be mapped where, you know, if you connect it to overhead GIS mapping, it'll pinpoint a red dot exactly where that person was standing when that shot was fired. And you work yourself back from there. It's a real great piece of technology. Uh, it's, it's helped our larger cities tremendously and which is still used today so for that coming to a city like hazelton i think it would be a great plus for uh, us in our area it's uh 332 here at wilk we'll be back after the news with paul michaels welcome back to the rob o'donnell show on wilk news radio it's 337 81 degrees with sun and clouds outside right now uh, i'm looking to Get some feedback from our local small businesses, our, our employers, you guys out here in Northeast Pennsylvania that are making your dreams come through as a small business. I know it's a hard time, especially if you fought through COVID. If you did it after COVID, great. Uh, if you were before COVID and you survived it, even better. But, I mean, basically, there was a meaningless resolution in the city of Scranton to... Uh, Support legislative efforts to raise the minimum wage. Now, currently, Pennsylvania's minimum wage is 7.25, 7.25 an hour. Now, Mayor Page, Gebhard Kingnetti's administration submitted and city council recently introduced a resolution advocating for a minimum wage increase. Now, again, this is just uh, the city council in Scranton and the mayor saying, hey, look at me. Yeah, we're progressive. We do what we want to do. And, yeah, and, you know, the resolution means nothing. We can't make the state do anything. Um, type of thing. I mean, that's really all it is. It's 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 uh, the mayor of Scranton's way to to show the state, hey, I'm relevant. Look at me, I support you guys. Uh, and it comes after the Democrat-controlled state house representative just passed a bill. I think it's bill bill fifteen hundred last month, which would incrementally raise the minimum wage, hourly minimum wage, eleven dollars next year, thirteen dollars in twenty twenty five, fifteen dollars in twenty twenty six. And future increases would be tied to inflation beginning in 2027. Now, most of the wages in our area far supersede minimum wage. I mean, that's just what the market dictates. That's what they need to find good quality people in these areas. And the wage adjusts to that without any force from the government. And again, this is Scranton just saying, hey, look, we're one of Pennsylvania's progressive cities. You know, we're with our state legislature, rah, rah, rah. It really means nothing. It's a resolution to say we support this. Now, if you look around our our areas, and again, this was detailed by uh, Jeff Horvath, staff writer with the Times Tribune, pulled uh, some states around us. You know, Delaware, I guess their uh, minimum wage is eleven seventy five. New Jersey's fourteen thirteen. New York is fourteen twenty. West Virginia is eight seventy five. 
Maryland is uh, 1280. And it looks like uh, it adjusts between how many employees you have. If you have, it's twelve eighty. If you have fewer than fifteen employees, thirteen twenty five. If you have fifteen or more employees, Ohio is uh, ten ten minimum wage. If you have gross annual receipts for employers with annual gross receipts of over three hundred seventy two thousand dollars. And seven twenty five for employers under that threshold. So each state has done their own thing as far as this goes. And could we adjust our minimum wage? Absolutely. It's seven twenty five. That's that's pretty much outdated based on what we're seeing now. What I would like the city of Scranton, if they're gonna do something like this, why don't they poll their local businesses? Why don't they the mayor go out, you know, and wanting her meaningless meaningless waving and and handshake events, and and ask small businesses, hey, what do you pay your employees in our city right here in Scranton? Um, And get a gauge of that. And maybe there's a happy medium to say, yeah, this is the average wages here in Pennsylvania and and here in Scranton. You know, that's a good minimum. But to force small businesses on this is going to end up hurting employees. And like I said, I, I do you first of all is anyone out there making seven twenty five an hour? That I'd like to I'd like to hear from you and, and where you work. Uh, I don't know of any places around here that that makes the minimum wage. And again, minimum wage jobs are starting jobs. They're your your teenage jobs. They're your way out there. And I don't even know teenagers who make them. I mean, my kids were lifeguards. They were making you know ten, eleven, twelve dollars an hour a couple of years ago because that was the going rate for what they chose to do, being a lifeguard. I know most of our fast food places in our area are are paying well above that. So for the Scranton City Council and the mayor to, to pass this resolution and, and with these numbers attached to it, it's just meaningless. It really couldn't there be other things they could be working on during that to make? How about getting a pool open? How about fixing our roads Instead of, you know, our walkability plans and let's have a resolution that's meaningless that we're going to send to the state saying we support a higher minimum wage. I mean, you just couldn't put out a press release. Yeah, re- literally had to take a whole meeting to, to talk about this. It just shows the waste in our government. That's uh, that's all around us. It's uh, 343. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 346. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Scranton mayor and city council passing a resolution, uh, you know, encouraging the state to raise the minimum wage. Again, a meaningless resolution. It's basically them just saying it. They couldn't just send a letter. It had to be a resolution, I guess. Um, and we got some text messaging on it. And, uh, you know, speaking of the minimum wage, if you are making minimum wage or you're an employer who is paying someone minimum wage, I'd love to hear from you because. I don't know anybody who's making minimum wage in our area here. I'm, I'm sure there are people out there. I'm not saying no one makes it. It's just I, I'd like to hear from you if you are legitimately making minimum wage or, or you're paying someone minimum wage. Again, most of the jobs around here, I, I see anywhere, you know, our fast food places, you know, paying $10, $15 an hour, between $10 and $15 an hour. But somebody said, uh, Rob, I will be at the Scranton City Council meeting tomorrow night to complain about the roads and lack of infrastructure repair. And the fact that we have uh, $58 million or maybe $68 million sitting in the bank and have no plans for it. 
You know, I'm glad you texted that, and I brought up the roads in Scranton, but I want to talk more on a broader scale. I was driving, you know, through our area on, uh, you know, both Friday and Saturday, and and I noticed something. They are fixing major roadways in our area. Uh, Just up by me, 247 comes to mind going over Music Mountain, uh, 107, which is a main thoroughfare from German Mayfield, the Casey Highway, all the way to 81. Now, now the Joe Biden administration passed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. And Governor Josh Shapiro administration got $13.2 billion of that. But they are tarring and chipping the main roads throughout Pennsylvania. The least long-term... The minimal repair you can do, the least expensive. This was never about fixing infrastructure for the long term. This was about buying votes. And, you know, the texter brought up that Scranton had, you know, 58 or $68 million in infrastructure and, and it's still sitting in a bank. I don't know if that's true or not. I have no reason to doubt that. I mean, I would find it negligent if they haven't used any of it to start any projects or do any projects. But just the projects I'm doing, I mean, 247 and 107 are both. PennDOT uh, roads. They're not uh, township roads. They're not local roads, municipal roads. They're, they're PennDOT state roads. And they're main thoroughfares, 247 and 107. And like I said, 107 is being used more and more for truck traffic because of the trucks in the, the German Mayfield. They have a bunch of industry there that's coming back, and it's an easy cut. And, and more and more people are using them because of the construction on 81. They're being used as detours. But they're basically... Uh, tarring and chipping all these roads, which is is not true repair. We know this. It's a waste of money to tar and chip things. Tarring and chipping is what you do when you don't have the funds and you need an emergency fix to get you through a year. When you're giving $1 trillion of our tax dollars, when the state has $13.2 billion, you don't tar and chip roads. You fix them properly so they last you a decade. And that's not what's going on. This was never about fixing infrastructure. And we need to start holding these people accountable. Why are they fixing these roads by tar and chip? I mean, they, they started doing the underwork. They were cutting out, you know, where the roads were cracking, and they patched it real well, and they did that. And I thought they were going to put an overlay of payment. They were, they were, they were doing the proper work for the base. But instead of putting a top coat, a proper top coat of asphalt to make it a stable and, and, and usable road for the, for the foreseeable future, all they do is tar and chip over the roads and the patches. And A, you know, it hurts you and I because tar and chip is like sandpaper on your car tires. So you're getting less life out of your car tires. You know, it's not as stable as far as a driving surface to grip when you're driving, especially with the weather and animals and everything else we have here in Northeast Pennsylvania. But uh, driving around, I noticed more and more, and then it dawned on me, and if you, again, if you follow me on social media, I took a picture of my road. They just did it, so there's dust everywhere. But why are we tarring and chipping in roads with a trillion-dollar benefit that you and I paid for? Our tax dollars are paying for it. And it's ridiculous. It, it's It's... This is not how that trillion-dollar infrastructure plan was billed. And any chance this administration gets, they tout it, but they're not doing anything to fix, fix, truly fix our roads. I mean, this tar and trip is, is going to be 
a mess by spring next year. Because there was no problem. And I truly thought, because they were doing all the base work that they needed to do, they were cutting out areas, they were going down four to six inches where it was cracking and alligatoring. That's when they call it. It's, it's kind of the spidering of the asphalt on, on the roads when the, the shoulders were crumbling. But they, they really, really need to do better when it, when it comes to this because uh, it, it's just not sustainable. And with all the money that was put towards this, your and my tax dollars, a trillion dollars. I mean, Pennsylvania alone got $13.2 billion. I did the research. I got it. Now, it's with, with, the, with the state as a whole getting $13.2 billion, it's not unreasonable that Scranton got between 58 and $68 million. Are you seeing the work with that kind of money buys on your roads? I'm not. I drive through Scranton all the time. I mean, we're seeing a lot of works on 81. We're seeing a lot of work on our highways. But what about the roads you and I take every day? Like I said, 247, 107, those are, those are pretty traveled roads in my area, up by me. Especially 247 that cuts all through multiple towns and municipalities. Over music, all the way down to 84, and continues. And it's just, I think we could be doing better. I think we should be doing better. I mean, that's what the amount of money this was. Let's go to the phones real quick. We have... Uh, Fred from West Piston on paving roads. Fred. Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, why don't you could call um, district office at Scranton, and uh, they will give you an answer with that. With how much they have as far as infrastructure well, money? Well, they get the money. The district office has seven counties. Wyoming, Luzerne, Susquehanna, Wayne, Pike. Yeah, I mean, have you seen... More of our roads getting oil and chip, tar and chip, however you want to call it, rather than getting well, repaired. Said, you, make a, you make a good point. Yeah. Why Why are they doing this? Why are they doing it like that? Especially, I mean, you you have you have places like Wyoming Avenue that there's no curbing left in Exeter, Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, in places, the past, it's too, been made I as a temporary them. fix. And, and I just, all with right, all this I, money, I, it should be a permanent fix. Right, and I'm watching places they're putting sidewalk in that there's the the the, the homes are so bad that it, it shouldn't even have it, you know, in uh, the junction in Pittston. Yeah, uh, you see, they're putting brand new sidewalks in there for what? I mean, there's nothing there. There's just like homes that are dilapidated and everything else. Yeah, like, it, it seems it's like all about it's all about who who's Democrat and who's Republican. Well, yeah, and and I don't think our vehicles care about if you're Democrat or Republican. I think they just want decent well, roads I mean, to drive you know, in. We're going to have to exactly. leave it there, Fred. I'm up against a hard money break. Thank All you right. for calling. Bye. It's uh, Rob O'Donnell's show. Time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell show on WILK News Radio. We're we're talking about this trillion dollar infrastructure plan that was passed with with our tax dollars. You know the 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 Commonwealth of. Uh, Pennsylvania getting almost $14 billion of that. And the city of Scranton, it looks like a text was just texted, and they, are, they received $68 million. But yet they're tarring and shipping roads, state roads, and uh, really not putting long-term infrastructure fixes in place. They're just doing patchwork, which they normally do when funds aren't available. Somebody said, Rob, you should see the tar and chip they did on Route 29 in Tunkhannock with this heat last week. Uh, it's bleeding through all over the side of my truck. Yeah, it's one of the problems I hate uh, 
we try to avoid those roads as much as possible, but sometimes you can't. Uh, you just can't. Uh, Page, fix the roads. Use the $68 million for something that the people use every day and see every day. Fix the streets for long term, not patchwork. True repairs that last a decade. That's what the infrastructure bill was about. Not to sit in a bank account. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show right after this. We have Mayor Longo from uh, Western PA Cities in a minute.